the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Okay, so uh, yesterday, went out and celebrated my 30th wedding anniversary with my wife, uh, and then I woke up this morning, looked at her, and I said, you know, we've been married 30 years in one day now. <laughs> so we both had had a laugh over that. I got up, ate my oatmeal, had a cup of coffee, took my pills, and headed to work. And I thought it was going to be an all right day, except that late last night, I was told that Congressman Hill couldn't join us today at 7.05. He had um, a big meeting coming up. As you know, the uh, infrastructure bill to pass the Senate is now heading over to the House. So I guess uh, they're, they're meeting to kind of decide what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And then um, I got a, a message uh, from Senator Bozeman said he can't do it his interview uh, today. But they did say, uh, what do you got open Friday, Dave? And I said 7.05, so he'll be on with us at 7.05 on Friday, and we'll talk to him then about all that, all the things that I talked to you about yesterday. Uh, he didn't vote for the, uh, the bill in the Senate yesterday on the uh, infrastructure, saying a lot of waste. Did you see what, did you see what uh, uh, Pelosi is doing? She's holding it up from going into the House until the Senate agrees to vote yay on the additional $3.2 trillion that they want. So um, don't be holding your breath about when you're going to get your infrastructure money in the different states. Then, you know, stories drop on my desk every morning and I get texts from people and I get texts from organizations, and I get a text this morning, this one, uh, from uh, Albert Moeller. Uh, He's got a thing called The Briefing, and I get this daily analysis from him. And it's basically looking at uh, the news through a Christian lens and uh, what we should be seeing as, as believers. And today... There's a story that's breaking that is incredible. To me, incredible. Uh, You know, there's things that have happened over the last decade that, to be honest with you, I thought I'd never see happen in America. But this is one that I definitely didn't think that I'd ever see in America. I mean, there's ones that you go, okay, I should have seen that one coming. But I saw this one, and it's like it blindsided me. 
it was like watching uh, Final Destination and the, you, you step off the uh, street curb and you get hit by the bus coming from the other direction. Um, so let me just bring you up to date what's going on. It has to do with the harvesting, once again, of fetal body parts, parts from babies that had died by miscarriage or by what's referred to simply as elective abortion, tissues that are being targeted, identified, and are being used in human medical experimentation. Furthermore, it's experimentation with which you and I are complicit now as American taxpayers because the American government is funding at least some of this research. It's a horrifying story. And it's uh, one to which we need to pay very direct attention. And I agree with that. Look, I, I hear stories like this, and I think the world needs to apologize to the Nazis. I'm just saying. To Mengele, you know, Dr. Death. He was backed by the Nazi government. They gave him the money that he needed to uh, experiment on Jewish prisoners of war. There are, there are other uh, Jewish people that were uh, experimented on. They blew up their lungs. They dropped different kinds of chemicals in their eyes to see what would happen. And I can go on and on about their atrocities. But yet here in our own country now, our government is paying to harvest babies' organs. And, and I refuse to use the word fetus anymore because they use that terminology to try to make it sound like it's not a human. Now, if you can prove to me that a woman who is pregnant has given birth to a, you know, a tomato or, a, or a, a, an ear of corn, then I'll stop saying that they're human. Because the only thing that I've seen a woman give birth to is a human baby. The city of San Francisco is where the University of California's San Francisco is located. It's involved in this kind of research. And also the University of Pittsburgh on the other side of the nation, or at least we should say there is documentary evidence of the fact that both of uh, these institutions, and more importantly, even other institutions, more urgently, the federal government, the government of the United States, is involved in this kind of research. You remember several years ago, there were some um, hidden cameras used to show Planned Parenthood was up to this garbage. And were they punished? No. The people who filmed Planned Parenthood and brought this to the light were punished. And I, I, I don't know exactly where that's ended up at for that uh, that gentleman who had the uh, courage to go do, do that. And it 
this was horrifying in that it showed the business of Planned Parenthood. I mean, talking about nurses after an abortion, sitting down with uh, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, the tray uh, with fetal body parts with these baby body parts on them and counting the fingers, the toes, the arms, the legs, the head, the torso. I mean, hear what I'm saying to you. Let that sink in some. Nurses who many of quit their jobs because they couldn't do it. This is for children that are from nine weeks to 42 weeks. Now, when you say 42 weeks, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't a full-term pregnancy considered 40 weeks? And so they're they're giving us a little leeway here and say, well, we'll take them up to 42. Which tells you that they always tell you that they it's very rare that they do uh, abortions at that point of a pregnancy. And maybe it's not so. Maybe it happens a whole lot more than we think it does. Uh, the mainstream media for Planned Parenthood gave them a pass on it. I know it's hard to believe it, but they did. It's illegal to do what they were doing, but they gave them a pass. And um, the media's complicity in the abortion in, uh, industry is ridiculous. They don't tell you the truth. Just telling you, they don't tell you the truth. I'll give you more on this story when we come back. Sorry, I'm battling my allergies today. want to remind you about Pat Davis. He's ready to help you with your medical insurance. Get you a perfect health plan if you're self-employed or if you're a small businessman and you're still one of those small businessmen that buy insurance uh, for your workers, he can help you with that as well. Save you 30 to 50% on health insurance. And we're talking about actual health insurance here, not a uh, share plan, although he can deal with share plans as well. But he will tell you right now, actual insurance is better than a share plan. Uh, You can choose any provider that offers health insurance. Uh, You uh, have no co-pays that you have to 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 make extra money that is there after your meeting for a doctor or being in the hospital doesn't go back to the insurance company it goes to you excess money goes to the client instead of uh, the insurance company now you can't beat this this is really a different way of doing insurance, and Pat Davis is doing it. He's got a lot of clients now. He's had to hire more agents to handle the people who are calling, and if you haven't called, you need to. The number is 501-605-6935. 501-605-6935. Or... 
find it all out online. He's known as Your Health Plan Man, and that's his website. Your Health Plan Man, that's one word, dot com. All right, back, back with you, Dave Ellswick. If you've just joined us, a uh, really disgusting and terrifying story uh, came out yesterday dealing with the abortion industry. And it's, uh, you know, we're not supposed to be paying tax dollars for abortion. That's to keep people like myself and others. There's hundreds, if hundreds of, of you know, several million people, let's put it that way, that don't believe in abortion. And uh, they keep the tax dollars from paying for it, shouldn't pay for it. Well, it's been found now that uh, at a couple of universities that they know of right now, uh, one in San Francisco, the other one at the University of uh, Pittsburgh, that they are paying with tax dollars to procure the parts of uh, aborted babies from nine weeks to 42 weeks. And, uh, you know, I was just talking about that Planned Parenthood story that came out a couple of years ago. And uh, it had officials of Planned Parenthood admitting to the fact that they were making deals uh, on this specific uh, issue, buying baby parts, and targeting that would mean that the, the destruction of unborn human life in order to obtain optimal tissue and organ body part samples. I mean, there are things in these videos that show showed uh, people from Planned Parenthood, uh, nurses talking about, you know, having to count the fingers and the arms and the legs and torso and the head, making sure there was no damage done to the head so that the brain had not been and had not been damaged, uh, that the torso hadn't been damaged so that the heart was still uh, intact. And uh, the language used was basically undeniably evil as far as I was concerned. I mean, when you're talking about destroying human life, innocent human life, that's undeniably evil. And then using those tissues and body parts and organs for medical experimentation. What's the difference between us there and the Nazis and Mengele? I, I, I mean, shouldn't these people... That Planned Parenthood and uh, and then the people who are uh, making it possible to spend taxpayers' dollars for this stuff have little lightning bolts on their collars? I mean, they're doing the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Now, the main attention to the story thus far has been in the press that is pro-life. It's the only place it's being heard right now. Uh, that's a very, very thin slice, to be honest, of American media. Uh, the mainstream media are doing their best to ignore the story and to give it absolutely no attention. Because, you know, if they don't report it, it didn't happen. Is that right? I mean, kind of like Como and all the people that died in nursing homes. If we don't talk about it, then uh, it didn't really happen. If we don't see video... It didn't really happen. Well, yesterday, the Baptist Press broke the story, and a reporter by the name of Scott Barkley wrote the article. And let me read how he started it. 
According to documents obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request, at least $2.7 million in the Department of Health and Human Services has gone to support a project at the University of Pittsburgh that includes the removal of organs and tissues from pre-born babies that are still alive. Now, a closer look at the documentation at the article makes it clear that the use of the word possible, the possible removal, uh, there is more to do with the question as to whether it's possible that some of these babies were born alive. The question as to whether that particular macabre issue is true may come down to medical complexities. What we would always call, you know, shaven the issue. But the fact is, medical authorities involved in these experiments have indicated that it is indeed a medical a matter of medical importance that the tissues and organs and body parts are harvested as soon as possible to the end of cardiac activity. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you? The Baptist Press article continues. In August 3rd, press release from Judicial Watch and the Center for Medical Progress uncovered public records from the National Institute of Health, a part of HHS, that's the Department of Health and Human Services, related to, quote, government-sponsored fetal, um, replace fetal with baby, uh, baby experimentation that focused on minimizing the amount of time that killed baby organs would go without blood flow. Then the article continues on, quote, the goal of the project, according to the document, is to generate an inventory of tissue throughout normal human development that will, quote, again develop a pipeline for the acquisition, quality control, and distribution of human baby samples. And I'm not making that up. That's out of their own mouths. Just consider what's being admitted there. You know, what is documented beyond any question? Well, here's what it is. Our federal government, through the Department of Health and Human Services and the National Institutes of Health, is actively seeking baby parts, tissues, and organs for medical experimentation, particularly here, what's described as body parts of babies between 6 and 42 weeks of gestation. Let that really settle in. We're talking about unborn babies between 6 and 42 weeks of development. But then again, if you're talking about 40 weeks of development, just consider you're talking about babies that are full term. Full term. See a baby, you see a mama come walking in Walmart or whatever, brand new baby that uh, she just gave birth to maybe a few days ago. Out, people stop and look at that little baby, you know, talking to the mother. Uh, we're talking children like that. We're talking about babies, folks. It's as if there's an absolute allergy for the media 
because there absolutely is. No one on the pro-abortion side wants the American people to be thinking about this for even one second. Not to mention American taxpayers understanding that our own moral complicity in this research undertaken by the federal government. But the federal government in cooperation and complicity with these who are conducting these terrible medical experiments. I'm sorry if I've ruined your morning. It ruined mine when I read this. This kind of stuff, uh, when I get it, this ruins my morning. We don't have the right to say something like, God bless America, when we're killing unborn babies like this. You know, I said yesterday in our show, maybe we should be saying, America, bless God. But to do that, you've got to show that uh, you understand what this means and put a stop to it. News is next, and I'll be back with more. We're hoping that the ASO will join with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, just a moment, we'll talk with Jeffrey uh, Robson. We're going to talk with him. He's the artistic director, Arkansas Symphony Orchestra. There's a big event coming up that nobody knows about yet, but you'll know about it in just a moment, so stay with me. Do you have questions about filing for Social Security? Well, get the answers to that in a simple to easy understand booklet that David Lucas Financial has for you called Your Guide to Social Security. Uh, This 27-page booklet outlines what you need to know and that can help you get even more income when you file for social security i mean do you file at 62 do you file at 66 and a half do you file at 70 what do you do all of that will affect how much that you get as uh, you take your social security if you're within five years of filing for social security get this free booklet and uh, you get it by calling up 501 222 3315. It's absolutely free. And as a bonus, you're going to receive a free customized social security analysis. That's about a thousand dollar value. David tells me, I've talked to him about this and it pinpoints the optimal time to uh, wring every nickel out of your benefits. And some people write me emails, Dave, I can't believe you talk about wringing every nickel out of your benefits. Hey, look, I'll just be honest. I've been paying non-social security since I was 13, 53 years. I think that I'm due some money back now, all right? And I want to get as much as I'm supposed to get. So that's why you need this book. Pick up the phone and call right now, 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Jeffrey, thanks for coming in. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Good to see you again. You know, I was really excited here when I saw that. Uh, I'm just going. I'm going to talk about December first because. Oh yeah. One of the great things that Symphony does is Christmas program. Some great things have gone on in the past. Uh, I think this year, looking at who your host is, your Indeed. guys are going big again. Yes. And uh, Chris Allen is coming. Yep, I am so excited about that, and that'll be, yeah, our Christmas concert um, is one of our biggest events of the year, and, um, you know, usually sell out the hall three nights in a row, and, yeah, baby. and I'm, Chris Allen's a good friend, and we've been talking for 
years now about finally trying to do a symphony show together and right. we've got all the all the charts arranged and some of his originals you know he's got a great christmas album i didn't know um, that yeah and and cool. some really really charming songs that he's written and some of course some traditional ones as well and so he'll be here to perform them and and we're going to back him up and we'll do a um some couple surprises on there too but you know the thing that i really love about that um about celebrating celebrating the season is is that we always collaborate with all these people across the community so there will be choirs there there will be kids singing there will be you know all of our friends there along with chris allen as well okay now, and it's just a huge celebration several years back this is going back all right because i've been here 21 years now but i i guess it was the early 2000s you guys used to have in the christmas show dancing penguins are they coming back i think i've heard about that have you guys um, thought about we've had dancing back? Santas. We've had yeah. yeah we're the, there's 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 all manner of song and dance. So I won't give away all the surprises, and we're you know, right. okay. putting it all together. So I cannot promise you that there will be dancing penguins. But I will someone will sing "Oh Holy Night," right? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the ASO holiday show without it. That's, that's exactly sure. right. All right. Well, that just gives you a little idea about uh, you know you can go to arkansasymphony.org. I'm going to suggest you get your Christmas tickets now. I think that's there's going to be a, a good bent, idea. There's going to be a pent-up demand yeah. this year for the holiday tickets. The phone number is 501-666-1761. That's the number to call. Now, September. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to say there's you guys weren't colluding and deciding that you were going to do this at during the time that I was gone on vacation. Because uh. <laughs> I love going to the symphony. I really, really do. So you, you tell me what's coming up uh, like uh, around the middle of September. Yeah, so we got an idea. This actually, this idea started a few years back when the Robinson Center was reopening after being closed for renovations. And, and we were coming back into the hall and we wanted to um, we wanted to thank the community for the support through all of this, you know, difficult times. And we put on an amazing free concert for the community. We had a ticket giveaway on the front steps of Robinson that, you know, you may have seen pictures of on the uh, on the news where it was around the block. People yeah. coming to get free tickets and it was just incredible atmosphere. And so we decided that we we're going to kind of recreate that this fall as we kind of welcome people Very back cool. to coming to coming to large events and it's not too far away you know it's (laughs) less than six weeks (laughs) so september 16th we're putting on a free concert for the community at the robinson it'll be uh in person at the robinson and then we're also going to be um broadcasting it at a large outdoor location as well so people will be able to kind of you know take their pick obviously there will be there will be a uh, lot of people in attendance at both locations and we'll have the full symphony orchestra on the stage and we're going to we're going to kind of preview the season ahead so we're going to play a little bit of classical we're going to play a little bit of pops um features some great local talent we'll also feature um some music of arkansas's great hometown classical composer florence price and uh and and you know have everyone back on stage and 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 welcome everyone 
in the hall. So I would say that if you're interested to possibly come to this free concert, to follow us on social media, all the details about how the tickets are being given away will be uh, posted there. And you know, this is this is brand new information. So this is, I know. So you're going to have to follow us to you're keep track it of first, the, right the, here. Yeah, the um, it's for how to get tickets. But there's going to be a big giveaway on September second. Okay. Um, so uh, um, that so is that'll not be far away. That is not that far away. Also, um, you know, for super inside information, if you are a subscriber or a member, a concert member where you pay a small monthly fee and can come to all of our symphony concerts, pops, classical, chamber, all right. over town, um, is a really popular option now for people who are not necessarily so sure that they can go on this Saturday, you know, in the old subscription uh, way. So our, our concert membership um They've gotten some information already, so you could look into that option or follow us on social media for details about that September 2nd giveaway. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, check out ArkansasSymphony.org. You guys are, I'm sure, on Facebook. What's your Facebook address? Uh, Arkansas Symphony Orchestra. Okay. And we're Arkansas Symphony Orchestra on YouTube and AR Symphony on Instagram. And so we're we're easy to find. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, I'm looking at a couple of concerts that I've already circled on my calendar. First one is in November, all right, mm-hmm. for myself. Beethoven in blue jeans. Yes. So explain to me what this – I'm a big Beethoven fan. I, I think that a lot of people don't give him enough credence. This guy that hardly could hear, yeah. could hardly see, and he wrote some of the greatest music of all times. And changed music forever. Yes. Yeah. And um, so we've – We've been doing this for a number of years now. Beethoven and Blue Jeans is where we kind of, um, it's our, it's one of our big classical concerts, but it's everybody's dressed down and we have a big street party out front. Um, and cause we kind of think that suits the vibe of Beethoven's personality. You know, he was notoriously not into the whole formality and 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 you know uppity behavior that some people associate with fine art which i think <laughs> he is wasn't a an travesty. aristocrat he was not and and you know and i don't think this music is for aristocrats i really right. truly don't i think it's for the people and beethoven thought it was for the people and um and so we try and you know pay homage to that idea a little bit with our beethoven and blue jeans celebration every year it's a great time we have live music outside the hall before the concert and you know cookout um, um, on the on the street in front of the Robinson Center, and then we, and then we go in and and uh, play the concert. We'll cool. be playing some music of Beethoven as we always do, as well as um, Brahms and Ravel that particular day. Great piano soloist, uh, one of the you know A plus world class talents. Conrad Tao will be coming. Uh, to Little Rock to perform with the symphony as our guest artist. That, okay, now tell him it's a, so. it's a blue jean show so he can't wear tails. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he can't go up to the piano and flip his tails up yeah. and sit down, you know. Can't be doing that. He's going to have to wear blue jeans, so he needs to keep that in mind. You're going to start it off with a big one, the Firebird. Yes. And if you're thinking you might know Firebird, what is that? You know, it was it was this is music that is that is near and dear to a lot of people. It was made super famous in um in in the Fantasia film. Yes. In um the Fantasia two thousand, I believe the Firebird was in or both. Now I'm getting mixed up. It's early still. Doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway. And I didn't um, have coffee for you, yeah, so I apologize. <laughs> um and and it's one of the great full orchestra, one of the great kind of 
endings in all of music, you know, and, and you think of what a symphony orchestra can do. Um, of course, can back up a singer, can play a film score, drum, you think drama and, and, you know, all these different kind of sound effects. The Firebird has all, all of it. Of it. Yep. And it's it'll pull at the heartstrings. It's incredibly beautiful. It's got a huge celebration at the end. Um, and so we're opening our season with it. Um, and and on a kind of eclectic program, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's October 2nd and 3rd is our technical season opening. Okay. Um, so, and, you know, we'll, of course, have come off that September 16th concert, but this is our first Masterworks concert of the year. This is, you know, we're back and, and, and ready to go. All right. We got to so. take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue with Jeffrey. I want to talk about some of the other shows that are going to be coming up. They're going to do a tribute uh, to Aretha Franklin. By the way, this weekend, the new movie about Aretha opens up. And uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Jennifer Hudson is playing Aretha. And I'm going to go see that probably Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. She was a great, great uh, tribute uh, to blues music and soul music, to say the least. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But right now, let me remind you about Dustin Turner, about if you're trying to sell your home. As I was driving in today, I was listening to the news, and lo and behold, you know what they said? Something I've been telling you now for months. Houses are selling at all-time highs, and there's not enough of them there to uh, satiate the appetite of the people who want a new, well, want to move into a home. I've been talking, I've had Dustin on, we've talked about it. I told you I was going to sell my home next year, and I decided now that the market is so hot, hot, that I'm going to sell it this year. I'm going to put my my house on the market in uh, October because uh, they gave me a, a, a pro- they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Let's just put it that way. They told me that the, the my house, which I bought for 155 should sell for $100,000 more than that. And with that in mind, you know, my home was always, when I bought it, to, to build up equity so that when I sold it, I'd have thirty dollars or $40,000 for retirement. Now, it looks like I'm going to have more than that, and I can, I can enjoy that, to be honest with you. You need to call Dustin Turner and let him turn loose uh, what he does so well, and that is open houses are not the way you sell homes anymore. You sell homes on the internet now with Zillow and other different people. You don't you don't walk into a a, a realtor's office and they pull out that real. Remember when they used to pull out the real big book and they sit in front of you and you flip through it and you go that looks like a pretty good house and then you go out and see it. Doesn't happen that way anymore. You can go on at any time. Wake up in the middle of the night, can't go back to sleep. Go look at houses. You it's it's like tender for homes out there and you can see what you what you like and dustin knows how to present your home to get people to fall in love with it on the internet so they'll come out and look at it to see if they still will fall in love with it so you need to call him and uh, check out uh, how he can help you the number is uh, 501-952-2969 that's 501-952-2969 2969. Remember, as I always said, uh, that you should call the only agent that I would call if I was going to sell my home. Well, guess what? I called him now. He's been at my house. 
We've walked around the house. We've set a price already. We know what we needed to fix, and that's being fixed as I speak. So the bottom line is Dustin Turner's demand. Use him to sell your home. All right, back. We got about eight minutes here, so we got a we got a lot of stuff we still want to cover. Jeffrey Robson is here, the artistic director of the Arkansas Symphony. Remember these two things: ArkansasSymphony.org. That's your website. You can buy your tickets there. You need to buy. I'm going to tell you right now. You need to buy your holiday spectacular tickets ASAP because uh, Chris Allen is going to be the host, and they will go fast. They always go fast, but they're going doubly fast. Now that Chris Allen's going to be involved. Or you can call 501-666-1761. 501-666-1761. And by the way, the Holiday Spectacular is December 17th through the 19th. That's very cool, too. That's good. All right, so we we talked about the Firebird, which is going to be the first show. Mm -hmm. That's going to be on October 2nd and 3rd. Then Beethoven in Blue Jeans, which is going to be November 6th and 7th. Then Tchaikovsky's uh, Violin uh, Concerto is January 29th and 30th. Now we moved into 2022. That's right. Um, and Tchaikovsky, great Russian composer. Uh, passion. Passion, yes. <laughs> you know, you think of all, you think of what, like I talking about earlier you think about what a symphony orchestra can do and it kind of makes you feel things right that's yeah. why there's orchestra music to accompany um all sorts of you know films and 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 still shows and everything yeah, yeah absolutely um tchaikovsky's violin concerto is this incredibly just beautiful but virtuosic you know you you have to be you have to be a top violinist yeah, to be able to play top this piece, of your game you know and um and and it's one of the few kind of solo pieces that will that will close a concert. Usually you think of like Firebird, the big ending mm-hmm. kind of closes the concert. Well, Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto is such an incredible feature piece for the violin that that will be closing the concert, first concert in January. Um don't want to miss it. We every that's usually a pretty good seller whenever any orchestra programs Tchaikovsky violin. Kick concerto. off so. the new year 22 yes. the right way. That's what you do. Then in February it's going to be a uh, uh, a special uh, gentleman's going to come in and play violin for us and this is Barber's Violin Concerto. Mhm. And um Samuel Barber's American composer, twentieth century, uh, one of the one of the great American American composers. But Gil Shaham, uh, multiple Grammy winning violinist, is one of the you know one of the top five you could probably say in the world in terms of the biggest orchestras in the world that he's played with. Yeah, look, I'm so excited. I happen to be conducting that concert. I'm oh, incredibly cool. excited to work with him. It's going to be real, okay, real here, treat. And we're playing more Tchaikovsky. Here's yeah. the key. All right. They do give Grammys to classical music still, okay? It's not just Bulldog and the rest of them, all right? These, these are real musicians. Oh, yeah. All right. I believe, you know, I was because uh, we do a big concert on July 4th every year down at the river, and, mm-hmm. and we were playing some John Williams, and I was – just get out, got on the internet. I was like, "How many Grammys has John Williams won?" Yeah. And uh, twenty five is the answer. Um, then I was like, "Who's won the most Grammys ever?" And um, happens to be that the person who's won the most Grammys ever is an orchestra conductor. So there's really? the twenty eight, and followed by Beyonce and Quincy Jones, is it, and then 
Was it Zubin by any chance? No, it was uh, 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 George Zell. Okay. Yeah. I'm I, I'm into classical music. Yeah. All right, and I'm into some some guys that are, are up there in front of the orchestra. Some, yeah, yeah, indeed. You know, he was cool. Great conductor, and of course worked with you know, Chicago, Cleveland, and and in that era of recording, when the fifties and sixties, when you know all the great works were being recorded in hi-fi for the right. first time, and and so won a lot of Grammys. Okay, yeah. so. <laughs> Look, look, anyway, so you 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 do this, you conduct, all right. So you tell me how much of the conducting is keeping the orchestra on beat together, and how much of it is showbiz. It's well, I it's it's a little bit of both of those. Well, sure, for sure. Um, you know, when you're talking about a symphony orchestra, I mean, these are seventy five professional musicians. People, Professors, people with doctorates, people who've played all over the yeah, world. Yeah, they know what they're doing. You know, they know what they know how to play together. Yes. So you know, yes, there are moments when you need a moment of clarity. Mm-hmm. You know, and and of course you are um, expressing for the benefit of the audience to an extent. You know um, what you're trying to get out of the orchestra, but uh, you know the the in performance, the rest of it is trying to help unify all of the opinions on stage and perceptions on stage about what exactly things should sound like. Because it's orchestras about the sound That's world, right. You know? And, um, and of course, you've got all these brilliant people, you know, and, and your job is to kind of bring everything together and so that you're playing like one instrument, basically. Right. And so there's, you know, it's partly... You know, so that happens in rehearsal. The most, the your most That's important you work argue, is in huh? rehearsal. <laughs> and, I'm just saying, yeah. I've been to some rehearsals with orchestras, and somebody, the first violin may not like what the conductor wants to do. That's right. It's and I'll be honest, it's not a democratic process. No, you know? no, you got to have a leader. But um, you do, and you know, and then, you know, but of course you. A leader who realizes that you're working with a very special group of people as well. So it's, but it's a, there's there's back and forth, but not at once. That's all right. <laughs> well, if you want to know what else is playing, and there's a lot, don't forget to tribute to the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. That's in March. Uh, go to ArkansasSymphony.org or call 501-666-1761. And remember the free concert that's coming up. Find out how the tickets are being given away for that. And buy your holiday spectacular tickets now, because Chris Allen's going to be there and leading the way. And thank you, Jeffrey, for coming in. It's a pleasure. Hey, my thanks to Jeffrey uh, Robson for the uh, stop by and, and talking to us. And uh, put that microphone down so people can see you, man. I will. All right. We want people to see you. I'm going to get you a wig that has uh, really long hair. When I, I had it once, remember? That? I know you had it once. 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 Johnny Dangerously. So anyway, uh, 
sitting here with uh, Jeffrey Robson, the artistic director from the the symphony. And again, uh, Chris Allen's going to be the host of the Holiday Spectacular, December 17th through the 19th. They're going to open up the season in October with the Firebird. And that's great. I mean, that's just not done enough. Uh, Beethoven and Blue Jeans in November. I will definitely be at that one because I am a huge Beethoven fan. And uh, Chris is going to be the special guest, the Holiday Spectacular, December 17th through the 19th. There's going to be a lot of pent-up demand for these tickets. Uh, I'm going to suggest that you go to ArkansasSymphony.org and buy your tickets for the the holiday, Holiday Spectacular. So you want to do that. But uh, Jeffrey, he's a good friend of the, of the show. Haven't seen him in a while because there haven't been any shows. And now they got a full season set up, 21, rest of 21, and then all of 22. That's exciting. Really is exciting to see it happening again. Okay. Robert is here. Robert Steinbach is here. I asked him to join me. Chris Corbett is here. He's on by phone. He's out in Conway. Uh, of course, Robert is a uh, uh, professor of law over at uh, the, the law school here at UALR. His opinions are his and his alone. Chris Corbett, not his opinions. He'll take anybody's opinion. So he's, <laughs> he's, here, he's here on the show. All right, Chris, you're in the news again. You're, you're causing trouble again. Uh, let's talk about that right off the bat. This is something that should be a no-brainer uh, because it, it's been talked about so much. We followed it through the legislature. It was made law, and you have a attorney. You have a an attorney for the city that says, they haven't proven to me that it's constitutional yet. Try a Second Amendment, dummy. I mean, come on. What What is this all about? I don't get it. Anyway, with that... With that in mind, why don't you tell us what exactly is happening and your co-defendant kind of sitting right across from me. I'm his attorney, Okay, Dave. the attorney is sitting My right goodness. across from me. Go ahead. Well, um, as you know, Dave, Rob and I are working hard in the judicial branch to show the um, these bureaucrats, these bureau hacks, down at the city hall, down at the county courthouses, that they have to obey the law. When you have a democratic process um, that happens in the legislature and we have these duly elected officials vote in laws, uh, the city, the government needs to needs to follow them. And, um, you know, I was at a, 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 a need hearing yesterday. And um, so what the Constitution is... Dave, is it's restrictions on the government. The Constitution does not restrict my liberties. The Constitution is there to restrict the government. And so what we're trying to do is show that these beer hacks are out of control. They're not following the law. And so we filed suit. Um, not only have we filed suit, but the you know a law was uh, created and passed through the help of Bob Ballinger and the, the Democratic legislature down at uh, capital to capital, and um, here we are. So we're going to take this to court. We're going to drag King Scott, also known as Mayor Scott, with his crown and his staff down to the courthouse and see what he has to say about not following the law. Are you going to tell Carpenter he's got to bring his scepter too? 
<laughs> That's right. He's got to bring his scepter too. He's the the king of uh, interpreting these laws, and um, he gives bad advice to these uh, beer hacks, and they follow it. And we've got these sheep running around that don't want to do anything about it. So Rob and I are going to do something about it. Uh, well, here acor- we are. According to the uh, the local paper. You are the gun-toting lawyer that is suing <laughs> the little... That, article l- yet. that, 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 that is so... Re- you know, can that be any more biased? I like it. Let me tell you. Chris Corbett is a gun-toting lawyer. God bless America. God bless Arkansas. And God bless the Second Amendment. Right. He'll tote a gun wherever he can. Well, it's legal. And a... And a copy of the Constitution. And a copy of the Constitution in his back pocket. Thank you very much. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Gun-toting lawyer. Next thing you're going to say, he's a Constitution-enforcing lawyer. Next thing you're going to say, he's a law-abiding attorney. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so listen to this. A University of Arkansas law professor. Who's that? All right. Who's that? Which is Chris Corbett with his co-counsel, Robert Steinbach who's the University of Arkansas law professor, says city attorney Tom Carpenter stated in July that Little Rock would likely not obey the law because Act 1024 is unconstitutional and can't be enforced. Quote, my advice is that the city ignore it. Let the state sue us. Well, you got your wish. And then let the state have the burden of proving that the statute is constitutional. Dude, the Second Amendment makes it constitutional. There's so much wrong with that sentence that I'm not sure that any one of the words individually makes sense, no less strung together in that bag of gobbledygook that it is. I don't. The burden doesn't shift to me to demonstrate that the behavior of uh, of government is constitutional. The burden is on the city to demonstrate that it ain't. That's the first of many problems. Second thing is, he says, go let the state enforce it. When he, he wrote that to me, Tom Carpenter did, I wrote him back and I said, I'm just a country lawyer. I can't tell you if the state's going to enforce it, but I will. <laughs> but I will. God bless America. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't get Tom on this one, except that he's doing this because his boss says, we're not going to adhere, going to adhere to this. Listen, it's a rough life being the city attorney making one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year of public money with a, with extended vacations all, all along, while the people of Little Rock pay through the nose in taxes, and King Scott wants to raise your taxes even more. This is what's wrong with government. This is what's wrong with government. Too much money going into the pockets of fat cats while the regular person has to go out there in society, defend himself. And to keep their rights. And keep their rights. You know, it strikes me that Little Rock and Tom Carpenter conceive themselves as the United Soviet Republic of Little Rock. They are independent from Arkansas. They are independent from the United States. They float out there like a thought bubble or a bare gas. Now, you guys have been at this for a while, you and, and, and Chris. You, didn't you bring suit against the city about this, you know, earlier? Oh, no, we got another suit. Chris Corbett is a plaintiff twice over. Chris Corbett is suing uh, the county courthouses uh, because 
the county sheriff is refusing to let him into court with a gun, and there's a separate law, a separate statute that guarantees that. But here's the problem. These bureau hacks, as Chris aptly characterized them, decide which laws they're going to obey and which laws they ain't. That's not how it works. There's a legislature in this state. It's the most democratic, by the way, of the three branches. And, of course, I mean that in the lowercase d, not the capital D, not the political party. Uh, And it enacted laws. Each and every one of those laws, unsurprisingly, were signed by the governor. So two branches of government has already said, this is the law. And what do you have? A bunch of local bureau hacks telling us, well, it may be the law, but we ain't following it. That's amazing to it me. It really is amazing. It really I mean, seriously. That, that really, think about that for just a moment. Mm-hmm. How amazing it is that you have county governments. And I've always told you that the government closest to you has the most impact on you. Of course you. it does. And here's a perfect example. Uh, that Those laws were crafted to bring certain people into the courthouse that would be in danger if they couldn't conceal carry i mean well, it, it really it, will you it, never know who's going to take a pot shot at you you know it's really interesting the judges have the um chris what are they called the bailiffs or whatever they are you yeah know, bailiffs right? yeah the bailiffs right, right. They, they have them they're armed to defend the judges who defending me do who they, defending my client do the bailiffs uh help the uh the judge to their cars or or are they allowed to conceal carry the judges are allowed to conceal carry as well. What a big surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as are officers of the court pursuant to the statute. And guess what lawyers are? Officers, officers of, of the, the court. court. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back. Was this the um, the meeting of the um, the judiciary? Was this where you talked about the Clinton No, that's going to be before state agencies in in a little over a week, I believe. Uh, This was the meeting to talk about mandatory vaccines. Because I want to come and watch that. Yeah, well, I'll keep you advised, and you're welcome to. You know, this was about mandatory vaccines. And as you know, I got my vaccine often and early, and I recommend it to everybody. But with that said, I'm in favor of mandatory vaccines. To be clear, I'm not. I'm in favor of mandatory vaccines the same way I'm in favor of mandatory prostate exams. Okay? <laughs> nobody, nobody should be putting anything inside of you if you don't want it, be it a vaccine or something else. No finger waves. <laughs> no finger waves. All right. You need to, I, I want you to run for office and... <laughs> Big banner and back at the, yeah. the, the podium. No finger waves. Yeah. No mandatory <laughs> prostate exams. That's going to be my platform. I have my, I'm a single issue candidate. No mandatory prostate exams. And by the way, since we're not allowed to distinguish between men and women, let's have prostate exams for both of them. And I'm on my way to the gynecologist, just so you know. All right. <laughs> Let me uh, get in here and talk about Cabot Emergency Hospital. I'm going to tell a great personal story used cabot emergency hospital my grandson and my my daughter and my son-in-law my grandson had surgery just a few days ago i think it was friday maybe monday Uh, and uh, he had some uh, issues that they're doing the final 
surgery on to clear up. And see, this is Wednesday morning, so it was early Tuesday morning. My daughter was asleep uh, in her bed, and all of a sudden she hears her daughter, my granddaughter, say, there's blood everywhere. And uh, that'll bring you out of a deep sleep real fast. And so uh, the um, adrenaline, had been, a dump had occurred. She sits straight up in bed. Uh, her husband sits straight up in bed. And something had happened to my grandson where he was literally gushing blood from his nose and his mouth. And uh, they took him over to Cabot Emergency Hospital. Took him in the back. Now, they're military. He's military, my, my son-in-law. And uh, Cabot doesn't have uh, TRICARE there yet. They took them anyway, okay, because they needed to do something for my grandson. Uh, my son-in-law said, I was afraid he was going to bleed out. There was that much blood. And uh, they gave him a couple of shots to help uh, clot the blood uh, they needed to get him to uh, uh, Children's uh, Hospital. They got him in an ambulance and, and took him there at 100 miles an hour, basically. And uh, he's fine now. But it was a very, very, very scary time for uh, part of my family. That's when you know your emergency matters and that you want to be seen now, not later. And they they saw him now not later and they did a great job and my my son-in-law can't say anything bad about them he said they were absolutely fantastic so when you need emergency care go to cabin emergency hospital they're right there on uh, uh 2089 uh right next to 67167 they're on the side and and you'll be able to re- recognize this chris they're on the side that david burgers is on so that you can go get fixed up and go have a burger after it's all said and done. Get back to your life faster. Let them get you under control. And if they need to get you to a hospital, they'll get you there really, really quickly. And that's Cabot Emergency Hospital. All right, Chris Corbett is here. Robert Steinbach is here. Of course, he's a law professor over to Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. And I do that because... It's a way of CYAN. All right, that's exactly what we're doing for him and for the school. Bottom line. School wants to be able to say, well, yeah, he did say that. He did say that blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that's not what we think. That's only what he thinks. I mean, you know, I'm not what... sure, <clears throat> frankly, Dave, you raise an important question. What that even means? You know, it's not the opinions of a school. When are, where are the opinions of, a, of, a, of an institution? What is it? In reality, what it turns out, is a bunch, again, of unelected bureaucrats hijack an institution for their own personal political preferences. And say, well, the school's opinion. Schools don't have opinions. Schools don't have... School is an amalgamation of faculty and um, students. How do you get one opinion out of that? Well, you don't. they say this. Yeah. They've got a... Uh a president or a dean or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And that's and, the school's opinion? And that's the school's opinion yeah. at not, that given time. Not in my book. Not in my book. The, the, the job of an administrator is to administrate. It's like a comptroller. It's to manage the money. 
Well, I'm, glad, ta- I'm glad you said administrate, not menstruate. Th- th- that too. Uh, it's uh, it's to um, it's not to spew out political opinions uh, bathed uh, in the blanket uh, of the imprimatur of a state agency. By the way, I hadn't heard. Are, are they going to keep the uh, the statue where it's at? Yes, they are. The president of the university, Don Bobbitt, uh, made that decision correctly so to keep that statute exactly where it belongs. And that's a sound decision. And I compliment the president of UA for doing so. He did that uh, over the recommendation of the now departed uh, um, chancellor at Fayetteville, Steinmetz, uh, who left you know, several weeks ago or a month, I don't remember, I think several weeks ago. Uh, and Steinmetz had recommended that they move the statue um, that was a bad idea. To the basement somewhere. I don't know. It was a bad idea, and it happened to be illegal as well. Yeah. To boot. Uh, and so... Well, they were re- they were genuflecting to the cancel culture. Uh, entirely. You know, I am a Fulbright scholar. I'm the only Fulbright scholar on the staff uh, of the law school uh, right now. But you can't teach school. constitutional I can't law. Teach, well, God, you know, uh, right, uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to let them forget uh, that. I can't teach constitutional law. I'm the only one to have three Ivy League degrees. I'm the only Fulbright scholar. I'm the most published. I have 225 sites in Google Scholar. I'm the author of the treatise on the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act. But no, go hire a new person. That's their plan. Yeah. Go ahead. You know why? Because a new person, they plan on being a lefty. And if I were to teach con law, I'd be the only conservative in the history of the law school to teach con law, constitutional law, to be clear, and the only Jew. They've never had a Jew teach constitutional law. They've never had a conservative teach constitutional law. They once had a libertarian who, when he dared to broach into a conservative topic, although he did it in a way that I would do differently, if, if at all, um, uh, they booted him out of teaching constitutional law because it is a leftist indoctrination center and they don't want their mantra to be disturbed. If you doubt where he stands out, you want me to have him say that again? Because he will. I, I, I'm really indifferent <laughs> on the issue. I could go either way. Oh, but hey, Chris, I wanted to tell you something. Did you hear who's going to direct and act in his own movie again? Who? What? Clint Eastwood. Nice. He said that he Grand was. Turismo. Yeah, yeah that's the man movie. we were talking about. I was just saying that I think for Christmas from now on, when my kids ask me, you know, dad or granddad, what do you want for Christmas? I'm going to say I'm looking for this Clint Eastwood movie. Nice. And get those. Well, our last last show, you mentioned Blazing Saddles. They're going to replay Blazing coming Saddles. Coming up. Coming up on. <laughs> well, what? Wait a second. It was last night. Was it last night? Was it? Did I miss it? No. Yeah, it was no. one of the theaters, wasn't it? Yeah, we're showing it again now. I don't think it was last night. I think it's next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Are you going? Of course I'll go. So you don't remember whether it was last <laughs> night or not? Well, I don't know. if I'm trying to think. It was this Tuesday. Yeah, that was the first Tuesday of the month. So, yes, it will be next Tuesday. Second Tuesday of every month. Coming up. Uh, well, I can, I can mention this now. I am going to show a... Big movie star in one of the great movies of all time in November that I've never, ever been able to show before. We finally got it. Are you able to tell us what it is? Yes, I can. It's going to be Elvis Presley and Anne-Margaret in Viva Las Vegas. Very cool. Very cool. That's going to be back back on the big screen again. And uh, Chris, you got to go to it. Bring your wife. She'll love it. Nice. 
She's going to love it, Betty. I got to tell you. All right, let's take a break. We got to take a break right now, and then we'll come back and talk further. Welcome back. We'll get back to talking to uh, Rob and Chris here in just a moment. But right now, let me remind you about East End Towing and what they can do for you. If you need a tow truck, or even if you don't, let's say you just have a flat tire or you lock your keys in the car and you need somebody to help you, East End Towing is there to do that for you. They will come in and get your keys out of your car and, you know, help change your flat if you need it. They're good about all of this stuff because no matter the situation, East End Towing can handle it. And uh, they've got all the answers that you need. So know that East End Towing's ready to help you. So here's what you need to do. Put their number in your wallet or put it in your purse. You can also put it in your glove box, but just remember it. If you happen to lock your keys in the car, you can't get to your glove box. All right, keep that in mind. So what you want to do is uh, keep that uh, number close. So you can use it, 501 888 8849 501 8849 is the number uh, to uh, be able to uh, use East End Towing. Remember that they uh, belong to the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. They're licensed and insured, and each truck is permitted. That's East End Towing. The number one more time, 501 888 49. All right, so bring us up to date where you think this is, how this is going to play out, Robert. What? As far as the uh, the gun. Oh, uh, uh, the Chris Corbett gun-toting lawyer yeah. who wanted to go into City Hall but was refused, even though the legislature just passed a law this past session signed by the governor that says that City Hall is covered? Is, is that the lawsuit you're talking about? How do I think it's going to play out? I think it's going to play out as follows. We're going to go to trial court, um, and we'll see what the trial judge says. And if the trial judge rules against us, uh, we'll appeal it to the Supreme Court. And let's see uh, whether these conservative justices uphold the conservative rule of law. That's what I think is going to happen. Okay. Yeah? How long do you think this is going to take? Unfortunately, the judicial process is not a fast one. Uh, and then The wheels of justice yeah. turn slowly. But finally, and you're seeing the fine part. So uh, this, is, this is the process. I work within the system. Uh, I expo- expose wrongdoing whenever I can. Uh, I bring it to court uh, when appropriate. Uh, I discuss it uh, in uh, s- senatorial and House hearings uh, before the legislature, like the um, uh, improper naming of the uh, endowed professorship at the university after Bill Clinton after 20 years, uh, which a recent article has now finally exposed as being entirely a fraudulent activity. Of course. It, it, there, there were never any bases. Can you not put together fraudulent activity and former President Clinton? There you go. There you go. Well, here's, here, here's what happened. Uh, they uh, changed the name secretly to the Bill Clinton Endowed Professorship, or as I like to call it, the Slick Willie Endowed Professorship. And uh, then Tom Sullivan, a liberal Democrat, no less, said, wait, what? Wait, what? What just happened here? Uh, and he objected on multiple grounds, uh, including that the faculty weren't involved and weren't even formed. Uh, and then uh, the, the school said, oh, well, it was just for 20 years we, we had lost mail, you see. We lost the letter. <laughs> what? Wait, what? 
<laughs> Wait, we, we, we lost a man. The checks in the mail that gives new meaning to the checks in the mail. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, uh, well, it turns out that the, the records that they had all along uh, showed what showed that Bill Clinton initially approved it, and a few months later pulled his approval because he was being prosecuted for a disbarment action after he lied in federal court. And I don't, I'd like to say that he had a little bit of shame, but I think the more likely uh, truth is that Bill Clinton read the political tea leaves because he's a very good politician, there's no doubt about that, uh, and he pulled his approval, and that was never mentioned, never discussed. In fact, I was personally attacked in the line. Uh, I was saying, well, why does any of this matter, Rob? And maybe you should withdraw your application for an endowed prof- for this endowed professorship. Wait, what? Because I ask questions, I should go uh, sl- slink off into a hole? That's a suggestion? What do you think the odds of that happening are? I, I haven't seen it yet. I don't intend that we will see it. By the way, you know, since COVID-19 ripped through our schools and still is ripping through our schools with mandated masks at some schools and you get a choice at other schools and things of that nature uh, alan clark brought up a piece of legislation that would been a step towards real school choice open school choice being able to go to the school you want to and i keep saying on the air that if they want to know how to do open school choice what they need to do is to contact congressman westerman well, it just so happens that Congressman Westerman is on the phone right now. Have you had any calls from any state legislators yet, Congressman, about how you came up with the idea of uh, giving every student the amount of money that they they would be given by the state or the school would be given by the state and they could take it to whichever school they wanted to to go to? I forget what year that was, but it was a great idea because it gets around Lakeview and all of that. Yeah, Dave, I've talked to several state legislators about that. Obviously, back when I was in the legislature, we did a lot of work on it. And unfortunately, we couldn't get the legislation moved forward back then. But I think we laid the groundwork for uh, some of the things that are happening now. And really what what we were working on came from uh, the state of Florida. Uh, It's called a tax credit scholarship program that, um, you know, talking to uh, Jeb Bush was governor down there at the time, and then to others in education, uh, they said it's a very popular program, and that uh, although it was fought hard by the uh, Democrats when they tried to put it in place, or when they did put it in place, um, I, I currently serve in Congress with the former Speaker of the House in Florida, and he said that the uh, the inner city Democrat representatives are the most protective ones of this program now because it gives kids in failing school districts an opportunity to go somewhere and, and actually get a good education. So, uh, you know, it was fought on the front end by the left, but now it's embraced by everyone down there. Uh, well, not everyone. I'm sure there's some teachers unions and others that don't like it. But Well, no, there's Black Lives Matter are still there, so, you know, they're not going to endorse it. Right. But, um, you know, Dan, Dan Webster, what a name to serve as the Speaker of House in, in Florida. And uh, he even he told me one time if, if you all ever wanted to uh, to talk about that on your show, that he would be willing to, to, to go on and talk to you about it. 
but uh, it's a very successful program. And what it does, it allows people to make um, donations into a fund that um, awards scholarships to people who can't afford to go to a private school to go to a private school. And the the scholarship or the, the tax credit is given to the the people who make the donation, but the the scholarship award is less than the average cost per student um, to go to a public school in the state. So the taxpayers actually come out ahead because uh, it's costing less money to educate students, and then the students are coming out ahead because they're getting a private school education. I got to tell you, I, I hope somebody presses this. I'm, I, Dan Sullivan, are you listening? I'm just saying I hope somebody presses this because this is where we'll know who the true conservative legislators are and which ones are not, which ones take their marching orders from uh, the uh, school administrators. Rob? D- Dan Sullivan supports this idea. So does, I believe, Bob Ballinger, Trent Garner. Uh, the whole host of conservatives in the legislature that support this idea. Remember, by the way, that Kamala Harris supported a notion similar to this. She wouldn't admit it, right? But she criticized Joe Biden during the debates when she was running for president and got less than 1% of the Democratic primary vote, no less, that she said, well, Joe Biden, you were against uh, busing, but uh, I benefited from busing. You know what this is? This is voluntary busing. This is giving the people who want to be bused, so to speak, the opportunity to be bused out of a lousy school into a into a good school and you know what will happen the good schools will thrive and the lousy schools will wither and that's what uh, is competition is what gives rise to improvement but the left doesn't want it because yeah. they want to control everything yeah that's you know bruce has been arguing this for a long time when did you bring that up bruce what legislative session was it well, that would have been 2011 or yeah, i think that's when we first started a decade about ago it. Yeah, and I will say the state has made some progress. You can actually now school choice um, among public schools, which is a, is a good step. And I think, I should know this, but Dave, I think they did a pilot program on this tax credit, or they, yes, they, they did. Yeah. But, but we had to do it very, very little. We don't want to scare the school administrators, you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not nice to the to the school administrators and the way that they fight against school choice. It just amazes me how they fight against it. And then the the state the state uh, legislature, you know, cowtowns to them. They genuflect right in front of them and say, "Yeah, let me kiss your ring and I'll vote against it." You know, the education committee in the Senate is a, is a failed committee. Uh, and I'm talking about the Republicans as well as the Democrats. Uh, there's an ex- there's an exception on that uh, c- committee. There's a great state senator, uh, Beckham. He's fantastic. And he's the lone uh, voice. No, the chair. I'm sorry. The chair is also uh, does a good job. Uh, but there are a bunch of Republicans who line up with the Democrats as a general matter. And they're they're worthless. Yeah. How do you, you like the sound of this, Chris? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. You know, it sounds like the, the superintendent's. They have this superintendent's association that lobbies the superintendents, right, lobbies for the superintendents to keep their jobs, even though it's a lousy school district. So the students need the choice. The students need to be able to choose where they go to school with that money, that taxpayer money. Okay, so 
Congressman, if I set up uh, a time that you're going to be back in the area uh, one week or whatever, and we can do a meeting and uh, as many Republicans who wanted to show up about how to make this happen, would you talk to them? Yeah, if we can, if we can get that all set up, I'd be glad to talk to them. And you know, most uh, most folks in the state legislature have my cell phone number, so um, I'm I'm open to them reaching out uh, anytime they want to talk about it. But I still need to I need to get Dan Webster involved in this because he was kind of the architect of that in Florida when it happened. Okay, and uh, you know, I was thinking back. Uh, you're talking about those battles in the state legislature on educational issues. We did a, a lot of work and just got hammered on it mm-hmm. when I was there. Um, yep. But but some of that's starting to pay off now. You know, the we tried to pass a law, a, a dyslexia law, um, and got nowhere with it. And was even I, I'll never forget this. I think it was a professor from UCA or somewhere uh, was talking about how. Uh, uh, some program had worked in Massachusetts, but it wouldn't work in Arkansas because those were more country club kids in Massachusetts. <laughs> and, uh, well, we got know, half of it, Congressman. We got half of it. We country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, you know, what I've learned is education is most effective when it's about the students instead of the adults. That's right. Abs- and absolutely. And you get into you get into scenarios where it all becomes about uh, the adults. But, you know, fast forward and the legislature uh, finally did pass this dyslexia legislation. So you've got uh, kids that are starting to get uh, instructions on how to read. You know, every every kid should be able to read by the end of second or third grade. There's only, a, you know, probably 5% of disabilities that prevent kids from learning to read um, by the end of second or third grade. And there's ways to deal with that as well. But, um, you know, as many as 20% of the population have dyslexia and it has nothing to do with your, your intellect. It has to do with the way the the brain processes written words. So um, we know how to teach uh, to help those kids and, you know, so it seems like a no-brainer that you'd want to make sure that your student population was able to read by the end of second or third grade. Uh, but we we fought, you know, tooth and nail to try to get something passed and and got pushed back on. But thankfully, the legislature's got that in place now, and schools around the state are starting to respond by getting teachers properly qualified to teach reading uh, and get these programs implemented and seeing good results. All right. We appreciate your time, Congressman. I'm going to let you go. We'll get you back on next Wednesday. And by that time, we can really talk about infrastructure because something is being done about that in the Senate and it's going to come over for your vote coming up here very shortly. Congressman Bruce Westerman, thank you very much, sir. We appreciate your time. Have a good one, Dave. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Let's get our final break in and then we'll come back. I'm going to have Robert tell you exactly what's going on with chris corbett chris corbett you can get involved in it too since you're you're the gun-toting lawyer so we want to we want to hear from you as well it's the dave ellswick show don't forget about pi roofing and what pi roofing can do for you not only for your roof they do a whole lot more they've got they've got people employed 
that can repair the damage that a leak has done. They can, uh, you know, take out drywall, put new drywall up and tape and mud it and the whole nine yards. They can put gutters on your house. They can put windows in your house. They can do a whole myriad of things. All you got to do is call them 707 3551. 707-3551 or go to pi All right, back with you. Final moments of a Wednesday show tomorrow. Uh, Ken Yang will be in in the first hour. Second hour, Joe and Duck are back. Give you car questions and answers, and we'll be doing all of that tomorrow. Robert and Chris will be back on Friday. Uh, Senator Bozeman will join us at 7.05 to 7.30, and then Matt Smith from 7.30 until 8 o'clock. Chris, I got to tell you, I don't know if you heard earlier on I made the statement about this, but I got information, a movie that I have wanted to show low almost 20 years as a classic movie and have not been able to get it. I have finally been told that we're going to be able to show it in in November. And in November, we're going to show the classic movie from 1964 of Elvis Presley and Anne Margaret in Viva Las Vegas. (laughs) Sounds fantastic. Now, you're going to come to that, aren't you? I would love to see that. You've got to come to that. And that's a great. That's one of his best movies. Corbett dances uh, like uh, Elvis did at his prime. Just so you know, like Bossa, the Bossa Nova thing. Oh, he does it all. Corbett does it all. Oh, very oh, cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, you should see him shake those hips. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We gotta check. Oh, yeah. I have to check that. Oh, we're out. gonna make a video. We're gonna YouTube. The, we're gonna YouTube the heck out of him. Now let me tell you this: that if that's the truth, then I I want I want to get your wife on the air to talk about it. Oh, okay, we don't need to talk about the bedroom stuff. Okay, Dave. Well, okay. But do you do you have boxers that have big hearts on them? Man, I want Elvis. I want that Elvis Presley suit from Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. It's I think it's the best one that he ever did, personally. You know, when Chris drives around in the Justice Bus, the Chris Corbett yes. law firm Justice Bus, uh, and he parks it in front of your local eatery, uh, he puts a scarf on his neck and he throws it out to the audience uh, randomly, <laughs> uh, much like Elvis. So be sure to catch the Justice Bus uh, at your local eatery. You remember Tom Jones? Of course I remember Tom Jones. You remember Jones. Tom Jones, Chris? I do not. Who's that? Musician. He was Singer. a musician. You know, what's new Pussycat okay. Okay. and all of that. And uh, the ladies used to the, throw, the uh, ladies used to throw their undergarments to him. That's right. And uh, and right. their and their room okay. keys. Yeah, I, I I used to throw him my boxers, but he wasn't interested. <laughs> no, that's not true, by the way. That's a joke. Exactly. Ask ask some time for me to play the show I did with him. Oh, I interviewed him, and it was. He he was such a great guy. Oh yeah, he's just a normal Welsh boy. I'm just yeah. telling you, that's oh, yeah. all he was. He he started off wanting to be a prize fighter. Oh wow, well, he but did that well. face like his, he didn't yeah. need to smarter it up. I'm just telling you, exactly. Made a lot of money with it. Okay, so let me ask you to do me a favor for the people who missed early on in the show. There is a lawsuit going on. Chris is involved in it. Chris has been has been said by the. Uh, Arkansas Democrat Gazette as the gun-toting lawyer. Gun-toting lawyer. Uh, now it's official. It has been uh, declared by the Dem Gaz that Chris Corbett is a gun-toting lawyer. And you know what we say about that? Amen, brother. Uh, you know what we say? Right. That ain't right. He's a double gun-toting. He's carrying two guns. Um, so uh, uh, that's 100% correct. Chris Corbett, uh, candidate for Senate up there in Conway, uh, is a gun-toting lawyer seeking to represent his rights 
and your rights. He's seeking to allow uh, uh, to be able to go into City Hall with a gun. You know why? Because the law says he can. That's right. So we're going to fight right. that fight. That's right. All right. Keep in mind that that's going on. We'll hear more about it on Friday right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Tomorrow, Ken Yang and uh, Joe and Duck and me starting at 6 a.m. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Dave. Talk to you later, brother. All right. See you tomorrow. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.